In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we have a big gospel text this morning with really two important Christmas events. The first is the purification of Mary, and the second is the presentation of Christ in the temple with Simeon and Anna. But putting these stories together will allow us to put together two big gospel ideas. Because what we'll see is what Christ has done for us. What Christ has done for us, what he accomplished for us, even as an infant child. And then we will see how Christ consoles our heart. While we live in this world filled with threats of sin, death, and the devil, we will see what Christ has done for us. And so as we begin Luke chapter 2, we notice that Luke makes a point to emphasize that Mary and Joseph are meeting their obligations according to God's law. So looking through it, verse 22 reads, When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, and then in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, and then in verse 24, and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, and then again toward the end of the reading, Luke points out, when they had finished everything required by the law of the, of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. Right, clearly, Luke wants us to see this emphasis that the law's obligations are being met. <clears throat> and what you know, if you've spent much time in the Old Testament, if you've read much of the Old Testament, if you've read the book of Leviticus or the first five books of the Old Testament, is that the law's obligations on all these topics are really about sacrifice. Right? There are regular sacrifices that priests offer on behalf of the people. There are sacrifices that individuals and fam families are responsible for supplying annually during certain life events to the priest and so on. Even the book of Leviticus outlines five categories of sacrifice, how and when they are to be offered, why they're to be offered, and all of that's done in great detail. But in some way, all of these sacrifices are asking and getting to a real basic question, which is how is it that unclean sinners are able to come into the presence of a holy God? Right? How can sinners worship God while remaining sinners? Well, what the Old Testament is showing is that God makes provisions for them. Because when sinners come before a holy God, they are undone. You'll remember even in Genesis, when Adam and Eve commit the first sin and they come into the presence of God, they feel that deep shame. They know what God's word has said to them, that because they are sinners, they will die. And so it is the case for every sinner. In the presence of God, their life is required of them. No sinner can stand before God and live. And so in the Old Testament, God commanded the people of Israel to offer sacrifices as kinds of tokens for their own lives. Rather than demanding their blood, God demands the blood of bulls, calves, lambs, turtle doves, and so on. And God accepted these sacrifices for a time. But the people remained sinners. The sacrifices never truly fixed their hearts, never fixed their real problem. And so the people had to offer sacrifices over and over for their whole lives. Now, if we know that the law is about requiring the sacrifice and about purifying sinners to stand in the presence of God, 
we can begin to see why Luke emphasizes the fulfillment of the law here in chapter 2. It is because Christ has put himself under the law. The lawgiver has submitted himself to the law. And so as St. Paul says in the letter to the Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law. By submitting himself to the law, Christ becomes the fulfillment of the law. He takes on all of its demands, and taking on all of its demands becomes a sacrifice for us. The book of Hebrews puts it like this, And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And there's a reason that we Christians no longer offer sacrifices. It is because Christ our Lord has been sacrificed for us. He came under the law. He submitted to its demands. And when he took on our sins, he suffered the laws, curses, and consequences for us on the cross. And I know that all of this is heavy theology and it's heavy teaching for a Christmas celebration but Christmas is not a celebration if we do not know why Christ came into the world. He came, to he came to save sinners, sinners who found themselves under the curse of God's law. And so indeed, Christians no longer offer sacrifices. We don't bring things to the altar to meet the law's demands. We don't offer money or gifts or the blood of animals or anything else as a kind of token for our lives. And we don't need to do this because Christ has done it for us. Christ has met the law's demands for us. And so now we are free from the law's curses and demands. And we're made certain children of God. That is to say, we can stand in the presence of God without fear because we are his children. This is how Paul explains it in Galatians. He writes, for, though the law, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And later Paul again will write, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But this is why Christ had to come in the flesh to save us. He puts himself under the law's curses and under its demands, and he redeems us from them. And now we get to what the celebration means. What is it that we so joyfully proclaim on Christmas? What are all the festivities and decorations about? And this is what Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Being free from the law means that we live united with Christ. He is our righteousness. We are connected to him. And this means that neither sin, nor the devil, nor even death itself will have the last word over you. All of those things hold the law over you. In fact, this is how the devil works. The devil himself will torment you with God's law. He will remind you how terrible you are at keeping God's law. He will remind you what an awful sinner you are, how inadequate you are. 
And even the fear of death itself comes from knowing that we haven't met God's law. And the fear of death is really a fear of judgment before God. And death itself torments us with the law. But the coming of Christ for you means that you no longer need to be tormented with the law's demands and its curses. Christ has redeemed you from them. And by faith, we accept all that he has done for us. And this is why in Luke 2, Simeon gives us such a lovely song to sing. Simeon's traditionally portrayed as an old man who has waited for many years for the coming of the Messiah in the temple. He's portrayed as a man who has felt the burden of the law for many years. He has felt the curse of the law, and he has waited to be consoled with the coming of the one who will redeem him and give him the promise of eternal life. And so when Simeon holds his Savior in his hands, he holds the child Christ in his hands, he acknowledges him, this is my master, this is my Lord, this is my Savior. And seeing the Christ child, he sings, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon knows that once Christ has come, he no longer needs to fear death. He confesses that he can be dismissed from this life. He confidently says that whenever God wants him to pass from this life and into the next, that he is ready, and he is ready because he knows that Christ has come to redeem him from the curse of the law. Likewise, Anna the prophet sees the Christ child and gives him praise, and she tells everyone that the Savior has come. She knows that her redemption and the redemption of all God's people is present in Mary's little child. And the praises of Simeon and of Anna, they both foreshadow the same praises we proclaim during Christmas. Right? Simeon and Anna would have known well the words that we sing. Right? Mild he lays his glory by, born that we may no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Because Christ is born, we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to fear being in the presence of God. Instead, because Christ is born, we are made God's own children. Because Christ is born, we are born again. And so as God's children, we don't come to the Lord's altar to make sacrifices to appease him under the law. But we come to the Lord's altar to receive his gifts freely given to us because the law, all of God's demands have been fulfilled for you. And now you live freely knowing of God's grace and love to you. And so in a moment, when you come to Holy Communion, you will be like Simeon. You will hold the Savior in your hand. You will be in the direct presence of the one who came to redeem you. And so you will be able to pray with Simeon Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Amen.